Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. So the NFL is farther away. We still have excitement in sports. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. The NBA, college basketball. Shockingly enough, I think baseball is going to be a big topic on this week's show. Not because pitchers and catchers reported, but for other off-the-field proposals and issues. But I wanted to start here. We talked briefly about it before the show. And it'll eventually lead into a broader and bigger topic. But as the listeners, I'm sure know, I'm a Duke men's basketball fan. You are a Syracuse basketball fan. Your allegiance is much stronger than mine. I turned on the TV and Jay Williams was leading the team to a championship. And I thought this Coach K guy was great. <laughs> Let me be a Duke Perfect fan. Timing. Let me be a Duke Perfect fan. Ti- Perfect timing. Here's Look you going to the school having that sort of closeness and allegiance to it, watching success in person. Eh, what kind of a story is that? You got to drive to see GMAC play in minus two degree temperatures and not see any of the campus because you spent your entire time with your head down because hashtag Syracuse winter weather. But Saturday, another epic, thrilling Duke-North Carolina game, which – was somewhat unexpected because of where North Carolina has been this season. A lot of injuries, a terrible year for them as far as their standards go, but they always flip the switch either team, no matter who's struggling in the season or if they're both at top places and top billings, it's always must-see television. And we end up with probably, based on how regulation and overtime ended, I think you could maybe put that into the top five. I have a broader point, though, from me watching the game. A lot of of classic games between those two teams. There have been. uh, You know, you are the older report, so you can give us the Walter Davis. Walter Davis, brother. There we go. That's where I wanted to start. Where does this game rank with the older report, not the younger and newer report? Where did you put that game in the echelon of this rivalry, if anywhere? It was, it was, you know, it wasn't that well played, but it was incredibly competitive and great resiliency, both teams, especially Duke. And I mean, Carolina had the game one, two, three different times. And they had to put away. They said to take care of the ball and a couple of close calls went Duke's way and out of bounds calls and a couple of lucky plays and a great bounce off an intentionally missed free throw. And lo and behold, you know, the team that is the better team uh, staves off the uh, fired-up home team. And the longer they play, the better chance they have. And uh, they steal the win. I mean, Carolina, just between missed free throws, inability to get the ball in bounds, foolish fouls, they just give for after for Duke, and Duke took it simple as that so this is the broader point for us as sports fans with four minutes remaining in that game North Carolina is winning by 13 points that continued into the two-minute mark this huge lead insurmountable lead I shut the game off with four minutes to go Now, my father started this tradition, and sometimes I follow suit with it, where if his team is playing poorly and you just – there's those games when you watch. You know when the team doesn't necessarily have it. You know when things aren't going your way. His thinking is if I shut it off, they'll do better. Now, obviously, it doesn't always work that way, but I pulled that card on You go for it. 
to go for you. Look to pull a rabbit out That's of a right. hat. I pulled that on Saturday. So this is this is simply not working. Yeah, I got to do something to change this up. And I don't so, want to see the end what? result. The end result, as it's going to stand, is your rival winning and celebrating on your home on their home floor. Why would you want to watch that? So there was a lot going into it. Four minutes left. I shut it off. Now, granted. I found out with three minutes left in overtime what had happened. I turned the game back on. Duke's up five. In a blink of an eye, Al, the game's tied. And my girlfriend says, what are you doing? Shut the game off. off. Turn it off. What are you doing? And I said, I don't know. Maybe this, maybe the curse is broken for regulation. Maybe we'll be okay now in overtime. We were, but sweet Lord, I should have kept it off. I'm not exactly sure what I was thinking, but Duke fans, you're welcome, for starters, for getting us into the overtime period. I'm interested, Al, what you might have as a similar superstition when things just aren't going your way or when things are going your way. Are you a don't leave the couch, don't get up to go to the bathroom, stay in the same spot, wear the same clothes? What are these? What are your stupid superstitions that, as fans, we for some reason have when we watch our teams, thinking that what we do will affect the outcome of the game? When I was younger, wearing the same clothes for sure. When I played, wearing the same clothes, you know, way back in high school, stuff like that. Uh, you know, absolutely get in spots, lucky spot, lucky chair, don't move. Uh, for really, all three. Um, more of a comfort zone for baseball because, you know, you, you go between innings. So you get up, you get something, et cetera. But once you're focused in on baseball, pitch by pitch, you know, you're not much moving. And, you know, basketball, football, you get in spots that work for you, that work, got to find something else. Getting spots that works, I am open. So, you know, all, all that similar stuff, turning it off when you're down and thinking, uh, going down with the ship is, well, let me see if I can do something to help. <laughs> let me come back a little later, see if we're back in it. And then I'll check it and then I'll turn it back off again. Because I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, muck it up. And I do that all the time. I do that all the time. <laughs> I do it with my phone in terms of checking the score. Absolutely. You know, you, you don't want to stay fine. Something's not working for you. Change it up. See if you can help your team out. So I definitely do that. And always have. Right. Now, I got yelled at on ACC radio by Chris Patola and Nicole Auerbeck today because I missed the epic comeback. And epic it was. Trey Jones leading the way to miss a free throw in 15 straight points. 15 straight points. Uh, missed free throw in, in the perfect place to possibly miss it. And then to make the shot afterwards, send it in overtime. Then, you said they practiced that. Yeah, they practiced it. Great. With your old, with your, with, with the old Duke, the assistant coach, John Shire, Johnny Shire, national champion, John Shire. Who knew <laughs> that his his Yoda esque forte was? Hey, let's practice miss free throws in case we ever get down and we need to miss it. It's just an improbable. He was a good. He was a good college player. He was. They needed him. That that was a team that I would prefer and i'm sure you do as well a, a team with the four or five junior senior laden guys who have been there before and grinded before and, and know how to win because the other aspect for example the 2015 well, you Duke get team to- with the three freshmen it's it's more of a risk like you don't know what's going to happen when the tournament comes it's also you know look it doesn't matter what team it is but it, it's nice to develop a, a, if you watch the sport it's nice to develop an identity with a team that has guys together for an extended period of time, two, three pairs of thought, four years, but certainly, you know, like the fab five were together for a while. You know, the Duke kids are never together for a while. The Kentucky kids are never you know, together for, for very long. You know, the fab four were together for a while. And, and went to two national title games, got to know them all. And you know, teams since then, for sure. A lot of my Syracuse teams had guys you know, for, for 
you know, two, three years together that were really good players. And we've seen it plenty of other schools, but we don't see it now. Wisconsin, we saw it, you know, a little bit, but still they weren't really, like really national guys. I mean, you know, a couple got drafted. Absolutely. Uh, Frank, the tank went high, but you just, you think it, you see with Michigan state, but you really don't. So it's, you know, there isn't an extended period of, of, of guys together to really, you know, get an identity with. And that's why, um, you know, it's nice to have teams like that. It's nice to be able to buy a jersey and have people know who it is. And you don't have to ask, well, who's that now? Was that last year's number one, two years ago, number one? Who, which one are you wearing that for? Thankfully, the names and you, are on and the you back, lose track so, of them. You lose track, right. Who, they'll who leave so they all leave so early in throngs that I can't remember where everybody went. You know, I, I mean, you know, where'd you go in the NBA again? Who drafted them? Used to be you knew them all. Now, that's part of us being older too. But um, well, then they become too. He's still in the league when when you find out what, what team he is playing for. Like, Jesus, that's I mean, he left too early. We didn't that's know what happened. To him. He's still that's in the league. The fact that he's still in the league. I didn't, I didn't know he was still in the league. D-League? D-League? G-D, whatever letter so they're on. So They all come Two-way contract? They all come out so early. Yeah. So you just you just lose track of them all. You know, the Kentucky point guard. Or is the, no, the two point guard from a couple of years ago. Or was he last year? A couple of years ago. A couple of years ago. Who went late in the first round? Um, who was on Portland, I believe. Yes. Um, had a big game the other night. But I didn't realize he even realized he was on Portland. Didn't even realize it. It's so tough. I can't keep track of, of so many of them coming up to him. But you know, they win that game. And then Monday night, boom, home against Florida State. Quick turnaround. Florida State's been on fire. Duke beats them. Didn't so. expect it at all. Didn't expect it at all. I I thought based on the high that you have to get yourself to for a North Carolina game, especially on the road, for it to then go into overtime, Florida State being a, it's prob- a pretty tough team, top three team in the ACC. I I can't believe that they. Duke's a pretty Duke's a pretty tough team. You know, I despise them always well, but this is a pretty tough team. They're they're resilient. They're tough. Make their free throws. Um hope the other team misses their free throws like the North Carolina and Florida State game, both of them respectively. Hope the well, opponent get, misses get, their free get throws. Then get the call against Florida State. Get the call for free throws at the end. The flying the flying elbow. Hit nobody, hit the air, but apparently <laughs> that was enough. You can see the positives that would generate a run in the tournament. You could also see the negatives to where it would lead to the one bad game that knocks you out. Which I I'm said sure they're tough. I, I, I said they're tough. I don't know if they're good enough. Yeah. I still I'm not sure know. if they're good enough. I still don't know. Because... When I think of the teams that are really good, they don't have you know, the great tournament success in terms of winning it. You know, Gonzaga is a possibility. They lost a lot of guys, but they're having a great year offensively. Really talented offensive team. But, you know, they're no lot to win. They've never won the been there, but they haven't won the championship. San Diego State, Oregon. Oregon's went bye-bye, right? Uh, but San Diego State's still undefeated. Gonzaga, terrific again. Uh, Louisville, Florida State, both playing really, really well. But, you know, Duke is right there with, I, I think, all of them. And, you know, Dayton is in that mix. But Dayton is shooing to win it? No, nobody is. Yeah, it could get ugly. Kentucky is just, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down. They put the other six games in a row. I mean, it's no indication that they can. It's a lot. There really is a lot of teams this year that have a legit chance to win it. Really do. 
It's going to be exciting, and it's going to be filling out your bracket. Have some sort of formula where you maybe get a couple darts and throw them up at the board because it's going to be one of those years where it'll be wide open. At least we think it'll be wide open. It could go quote-unquote chalk depending on how the seeds are. We'll see. Lastly on this before we get to baseball, this not watching the end of the game led to a bigger discussion and a poll question on Twitter. Would you trade a season of watching your favorite team play for the guarantee of them winning it all? So you don't watch any of the games. You don't get to see any of the highlights. But it leads to your team winning the championship. I get to watch the postseason? You don't get to watch the postseason. I do or don't? You don't. Nothing at all. For the entire year. By the year, you mean from the first regular season game till the title the, is is the to, trophy to, is hoisted. To, to, uh, yeah, I'd have to do that. Look at yeah. you! I thought yeah. you'd be against this. No, no. You know, for championship, the championship, thrill of the championship, you're you're living and dying by every basket. You just said you hit. just said I can't. You just said I can't watch it. Right. Well, that's what I mean. The the other is you roll the dice and hope that they'll just win it anyway with you watching. There's no guarantee. Yeah, can I can I listen to it on the radio? No, nothing. I can't do that either. I mean, you could hear who won, but that's it. You you can't. I can't follow the play by play. Can't be part of it. Nope. So all news reports. You're, you're picking up the paper the next day and looking at the. I box can read the paper to see what I happens. I can read the paper. Right. Can I watch highlights? No highlights. That's the that's I can't the hard watch part. Highlights. Too. That's the hard well, see, part. See now you're really putting the hammer down. Highlights. I can't watch highlights either. I'd still do it. I'd still do it. See, here's where I think the benefit comes, on top of the fact that your team is a national champion, and that it's not like they can never win again after this one so there's still rolling the dice for the rest of your fandom the rest of your life in 2020 al if you're the guy that's not watching a specific team especially if that team hasn't been successful for franchise history or for long droughts you're gonna be beloved like if for example you didn't watch the cubs when they were trying to end their drought from hundred years and everybody knew you couldn't watch Cubs games when it's over and they win. You're a God. You're a God in Chicago. The team is probably going to do something for you. You'll get season tickets, maybe lifelong things. You'll have 30 for thirties done about you. This person was secluded from anything involving his or her team. And they won the championship. You'll be beloved but it takes a lot. Is the war, is the reward at the end worth it? Like if that's the only championship that team wins for the rest of your life, well, that's it's tough. But I think benefits would come from it. From teams, from fans, from owners. You'd be an immediate overnight celebrity in 2020. This championship moxie is what that is. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. So getting into Major League Baseball, a topic that, for whatever reason, I think in our show history, we've spent more time talking on when the season wasn't happening and the postseason wasn't happening. Just everyday conversation has been a lot. With Major League Baseball, which I, I don't know how they feel about that, but they're at least in people's minds, baseball fans' minds, good and bad. Good and bad, bad and good. The latest, well, two things, really. Another bombshell report on the Astros cheating scandal, one from Jared Diamond last week of the Wall Street Journal, telling the tales of the upper management being the bosses, per se, of 
the cheating scandal in Houston using what they called Codebreaker, this Excel spreadsheet to put in the pitches and figure out what was happening. The GM and his cohorts fueling this from the top ropes, saying to the manager, hey, let's let's keep doing this, man. Originally, they were just going to do it for after-game study, make sure that they saw what was happening for future times playing those opponents, and then that led to, you know what, why don't we just do it during the game? Forget about this waiting around stuff. Let's just do it now. We get that. Today, an article comes out. Carlos Beltran was the mastermind behind everything. Great leader. Everything. Carlos. And nobody on Man. Houston had enough so, balls like your, to tell like on him. to introduce the new manager of the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> the ringleader. Apparently, nobody on the team and nobody on the coaching staff had enough balls to go to anybody with any sense of sense and say, hey, man, this is happening. Oh, no, the players were too young. A.J. Hinch, as he told MLB Network Radio last week, or TV, I should say, I didn't have enough confidence in 2017. Now I have confidence now. It's it's the trail of tears, the woe is me that we knew would come in the Houston Astros part of this story. Now it comes out today. Oh, we couldn't go against Carlos. He was a veteran. There were younger players. The manager broke the monitors, but he couldn't go to anybody higher. Please save it. But we're really getting to. Very weak. An- another, another proposed change. Very weak. Not to make the game faster, not to use a pitch clock or mess around with the bullpens or whatever you want to do to change the product on the field. We are going back to fiddling around with the postseason. To quote Joel Sherman, this is going to be the funnest part of the show is trying to put what he wrote into logic and what this will actually come down to okay lots of playoff teams. I, I hope everybody's sitting down 14 playoff teams would be the end result for starters which is close to half the league which would mimic the other professional leagues like the nfl and the nba taking away from the fact what i love about major league baseball and you might too is you get to the postseason you're the cream of the crop you didn't just get there by accident Unless, you know, you sneak in in the wild card one-game playoff deal that we have now. But generally speaking, it's the best teams. So we have this proposal that the team with the best record in each league would receive a bye to avoid the wild card round and go directly to the division series. Okay. First round buys, best teams. Can't have buys. First round buys, best teams. The two other division winners... And the wild card with the next best record would each host all three games in a best of three wild card round. Can't do that either. So the bottom three wild card teams would have no first round home games. The team makes the postseason. You got to give their fans at least a game. The if you're going to play more than if you're going to play more than one, you can't make the postseason and not get to see a game in your building. The division winner with the second best record in the league would then get the first pick of its opponent from those lower three wild cards. Then the other division winner would pick, leaving the last two wild cards to play each other. So using, using last season as an example, the Astros would have received the bye because their cheating asses had the best record in the American League. The Yankees had the second best record. So they could have picked to play the Rays, the Indians, or the Red Sox. The Red Sox, as we lovingly remember, had the worst record of the three. Who would they pick? There would be strategy involved. The Twins would have then picked the A's. As the wild card record would play the team not chosen by the Yankees or the Twins. So the Twins pick next as the division winner. Then the A's with the wild card record would play the team not chosen by the Yankees or the Twins. Ah. So now that that's all read, if you can put any of what I read into words, big picture here, what are your thoughts on this proposal 
to expand the postseason and all the little intricacies that go would go along with it. Well, you know, as being the old report, I should be kicking and screaming and you know, the bastardization of the postseason. I mean, when I was a kid, there were 16 teams, eight in each league when I was real little. How many teams made the postseason? Two. World Series. All right, so two out of 16. Now the league is the league's combined not quite twice as big. All right. You know, with 30 teams instead of 32, but 10 playoff spots instead of two. So it's expanded nicely from what it used to be. And it's evolved. You've got the wild card game, which a lot of people were against, which I like. I don't like the idea of no games at home for a team, unless it's one game. If there's a series, I don't like the idea of teams resting. Look, I mean, if you, when you expand and get to 32, you're going to have more teams. If they want to do it this quickly, they can't wait that long. I wish they could wait that long because then you'll expand NFL style and you'll have at least the same amount of teams, you know, with the four and the two. And they'll put you with 12 teams in. But I hate to see this many, like the Red Sox making it last year with those numbers. I'd like to get above it. You know, I don't like 84s making the playoffs. And I understand the Cardinals in 2006 were hideous. And they made it to the playoffs with like, I think it was 90, 80, 88. Might have been 86. Might have been even less. It might have been 84 and 78 uh, in 2006 when they won and beat the Mets. I think they were. So I wouldn't. I just don't want to see anybody that low make it. It's too low. Even though it's my team, it's too low. Well, real quick, let me read you off the numbers that would have made it had this been in effect since 2014. So last year, an 84 team, 84 win team makes the postseason. So we're kind of at the border. 2008, three 82 win teams tie for the Oof. postseason. 2017. Three 80-win teams tied for the postseason. 80? 80. They're not even winning teams. 2016, a 79-win team gets in. Oh, 2015, two 83-win teams make the postseason. And 2014, two 79-win teams tie it's, for a postseason my point. Spot. I didn't want to go below 84. Yeah. Look who's in. Losing teams. You're turning into the NBA. Battle for the eighth spot. Well, you've okay. got you've got the Is possibility of one hundred plus win teams winning the division by ten or twelve games, having to go into a three game wild card with a team that has eighty wins, and you lose game one, and you're screwed. That's not fair. It's just, it's not, of course, it's ass night. It's ass night. You, obviously, being the vital portion of the show, have brought out the relevant statistics to tell me from an analytical point of view. It's not viable. Well, where it's not this, watchable. Where this is viable, unfortunately, is going to be in the pockets of said of, of teams. Of course. But, I mean, the saturation of, of the postseason baseball is going to be ridiculous. Exactly. And you're going to be going up against yourselves when you're playing these postseason games, like if you have to have multiple postseason games, I don't want to see games, a losing team. No, no, and you're you're battling against in the, in the, each in the other. Major league, I mean, in the major league postseason, how far they got to sink? Right, right. I don't get it. I that is ludicrous. I could swallow, and I think we've talked about this before on here. Is if they wanted to make the one-game wild card a three-game series, I would be more than okay with that. I know there's the drama aspect for it, but you and I both know the sport of baseball isn't necessarily won or lost by the best team in one game. Sometimes you're in a slump, the right team gets hot at the right time. Record-wise, it could be ridiculous. I can always out of three series because I think they're cool. Yeah. And you, like we've said i believe as well one 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 
two home games for the better team. You get a road game for the worser team. But both teams, as you mentioned, at least get one game at home. I, I love two out of threes in early rounds. I wish the I wish the I love the days of three out of five in the NBA. Me too. In, in early, I love three out of five. Especially series. now when the eight seeds never beat the one seeds. They're basically yeah. buy rounds. And we have to and suffer they had, four they had games. They had NHL as well. I love the three out of five. And I love I loved when, you know, before you were born, the three out of five people said, but the, the three out of five NLDSs and NLCSs, you know, when they were just the, uh, the East against the West, they were, you had tons of five game series. They were great. There was so much tension in the five game series. You just, you were on pins and needles constantly. You had to watch the game with such a focus because every pitch, every out, something damaging could happen and it would have a huge impact in the series. Oh, I love those series. The Yankee, you know, it's more safe to say it. Those Yankee Royal series were just classics. Classics. Tremendous. You know, the Reds and the Pirates. Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. The Cardinals, Giants. Uh, I mean, the seven-game series, Cardinals, Dodgers. Uh, you had so many that uh, – excuse me, those were seven-game series. But you had so many great five-game series right. that were competitive. And you know, the Phillies, Dodgers, uh, back in the 70s, that were uh, you know, back, forth, back, forth. But they were quick, man. They were quick. And pitching was huge. And both guys in the bullpen went every day because there was literally no, you know, every game, even though there was, like, there was no tomorrow, you had to win each one. So it was uh, pressure packs. So I love those series. Love those series. There's pros and cons to this where if you're a fan of a small market team, it obviously works in your favor because the season won't be over in, say, May, which we see every year. Either a team is tanking or either a team's just not good, and come May and June, it's over. You're not going to catch up in the division. You're well, we hope. A wild card. We hope that, you know, I mean, you, you, you hope that those teams will look at, look at the numbers you just gave me they had me so appalled and say, well, look, you know, we won 75 games last year. We won five more games. We made the postseason. Right. So instead of like tearing it down, let's stay in the mix here. Right. Uh, our payroll isn't overblown. We get a couple of really good seasons from some up and coming players or make an acquisition. And we win 80 freaking games. It can happen. Hello and we're in the postseason. Right. And trade deadline comes, you sit you sit tight. Why go out and get anybody? We're good. We're on pace to win eighty games. The analytics tells us so, and we would make the postseason by say two games. Financial boom. I'm just confused, I guess, by how Major League Baseball would think this would fix whatever its perceived problems would be. And that, I, I, I think, they, you know, they're just looking. You're absolutely right. I mean, all, all it raises revenue, but it gives the, but it also gives the players more money. I mean, when we think raise revenue, we think of the owners, of course, you know, more playoffs, more TV, et cetera, more gate, uh, more merchandising, more TV rights, money in the TV rights. But, ton of more money for the players. So that's something for the Players Association. I don't think the players are overly concerned about playing the additional games. You know, obviously like the wear and tear. You know, uh, clearly the NFL. Uh, we all know the NBA season's got to be short. Got to be short. The interest is short in that. Everybody's for that. Um, I don't think, you know, the notion of playing more games would bother the Players Association. They obviously consider about them more money. So uh, I think it would help pave the way to the new collective bargaining agreement. So I think it's something that might be, if 
these terms that we don't like are worked out that they would be amenable to. Um, but you know, th these kinks that are in there, I mean, the no home games, just is hard Plus, to fathom. Plus, if you have a buy, you have a buy and, week. You know, a, you're a, a you're buy, not playing for a week. A buy, you know, guy's got a hit. Right. Oh, you got a hit. You don't, you don't want to be stale. Yeah, you get healthy. Well, you only get so healthy. The thing that happens in baseball, usually you pitch and get slow rest. Well, everybody's going to you know, play the wild card games anyway, so you're going to be rested. So th there's no need for that kind of rest. Sorry. You know, no, no, Got to play. It's not football. Right. Got to play. You know, you're playing basketball, no buys. You're playing hockey, no buys. No buys. No buys. Well, it, it's, it seems like, too, that... And the other thing I don't like, you know, you, you could have this incredible record and, you know, fight all year long and potentially, you know, not get a home game. Or you finish in a division, all right? Uh, you know, the, the records of the division, you know, winners ahead of you. Uh, the fact that you're, you know, a big time division, you, you win a hundred games and or, or 98 games because of your seat, you don't get a home game. It's, it's doable. It's possible. You're playing a game, a team with potentially 79 wins, but they have two aces on their staff. Well, have a good off season. They go eight strong the first two games, you're out. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's El Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. It seems like Rob Manfred got a hold of like a, an NBA brochure, and he saw what they're doing for the All-Star game. And he saw what they're trying to do with back-to-backs and scheduling. And he's thought, how can we put this into baseball and its postseason? Let's have the second-best team from the division pick who they're going to play in the postseason for three wildcard games like it's The Bachelor. What are we talking about? This isn't going to fix what people don't like about baseball, which is the timeliness of it. This is Rob Manfred, which he did for the Houston Astros Red Sox cheating scandal, which we're finding out slowly but surely, just putting like he's out at home plate and he puts dirt on with his shoe to cover home plate up. Just get it out of the way. Maybe nobody will remember that it's there. That's how this Astros situation went with the cheating. He didn't get to the bottom of anything. There's a couple named guys who are going to take the fall for everything. All of the players got immunity, and he was like, you know what? We're done. I'm not digging any deeper in this. Let's get to pitchers and catchers and hope this is all scuffled away before then, as the Red Sox don't even have a manager yet heading into pitchers and catchers. They didn't do a deep dive on this, just like baseball hasn't done the deepest of dives on basically anything since there's been scandals. This was just, we have to get this over with. We haven't even heard Alex Cora's susp suspension or punishment yet. What are you waiting for? It won't, be, it won't be this week, by the way. He's just kicking dirt over home plate. This is what the postseason change would do. Something flashy, something new, something that he hopes will bring out fans and viewers to the games. And then after a couple years, people are going to get sick of it and want to move on to the next thing. And the main problems with baseball which include not having a pitch clock, not trying to make the game shorter, and most importantly, not promoting the sport, not being marketing titans to the generation that you're trying to get interested in baseball, which is the younger the generation. Saw, when was the last time we saw Mike Trout play? Mike Trout could be on our podcast, a call-in, and nobody would know who the hell it was. They don't market the sport to the people that they want it marketed to. You're marketing Mike the sport Jer to us. We're already here, man. Mike from Jersey. <laughs> Mike from Jersey. <laughs> we'll talk a little Eagles and uh, Phillies baseball. 
You're not going after the right demographic and thinking you're like the NBA and the teams are going to get to pick who they play and that's going to be this drama-filled night of television because we'll see it live and, oh, the teams that they don't pick are going to have a chip on their shoulder. You shouldn't have wanted to play us or you should want to play us. But What are we doing? This is like video game-esque changes. And I'm not standing on a soapbox not wanting baseball to make any changes. There needs to be changes, Al. Everybody knows. Something needs to change. I can I can figure out a way to another wild card. Right. Let's not go crazy get, with you know, this. I don't need to I don't need this. Like I I'd almost rather I don't know if I'd rather expand right now. I, you know, I really want to get Oakland and Tampa fixed before they expand. But if they don't expand, move move those two. You got to move those. You got to move those teams. They don't have the stadiums. They're not going to get the stadiums. You got to move them. Can't we put another baseball team in Orlando? Another expansion team in Florida? Come on, Florida loves its baseball. Carolina, Montreal is the spot. You move Tampa to Montreal. They got the rivalry with Toronto. Call the exposures. Uh, call me the Expos uh, or the X-Rays, excuse me. Montreal X-Rays. They'll, they'll have a new stadium ready for about two years. Worst case scenario. Start building it now. And get them out. I mean, it's it's not like you can bury... You have two of the best... Fran- they're, they're two of the best franchises in the sport. It's not like they're the cute stories winning 75 games with no money. They're going. They're winning ninety games every year, or more. It's not just like the Billy Bean story anymore. And they're playing in a dump where nobody wants to go, and in a dump in a place where nobody wants to go. So that they want to go to Oakland. Weather's nice. I know it can be cool sometimes, but you know, outside, beautiful. They want to go to the dump. It's a dump. Stump. They have a location too. And then obviously what was originally called the Suncoast Dome, where nobody wants to go, except the Yankees and Red Sox fans when they're in town. And that's it. I mean, they aren't going to see winning teams in their own building. Because the buildings in, in or in this portion of the city where they are, they got to be moved. It's pathetic. You know, you can send the A's to Portland and you can send the uh, Tampa team right up to Montreal and have that natural rivalry right away. And it'll be great. Then, when they're settled in, you can expand. But let's go ahead and move them now. They're ready-made franchises. They're ready to go. It doesn't even mean you can't expand and move them at the same time. How exciting would that be? I just came up with a grand idea, didn't I? Hopefully he's Did listening. Not. Let's talk more NBA or, or something else innovative. Let's expand and move. Let's not wait for the, the, the cities to be settled. All right? right. Let's move them. Let's shake it up. Let's shake it up. Let's move those two teams and expand at the same time. So in essence, we have four new franchises. And we expand the playoffs because we've got two leagues just like the NFL with the two conferences and the four divisions and everybody goes. So you got eight teams and then you got the two wild cards. So we're rolling 12 teams out of 32. Yeah. Perfect. 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 And you can do your buys. Quick buys, quick buys, quick buys. And then you go. Just want to do it that way. Just like the NFL does it. Putting this, I think it would be electric to have those things happening at the same time. Absolutely. There you go. There's the interest. You get new fans, new fan bases. Four cities. Four cities. Major League Baseball expands not to two cities, to four. And, hey, here's who's on those teams. There's a couple young guys that are going to tear the league up. Here are their names. Here are their jerseys. Here are who they are. Putting this into practice, 
the way they want it with all these layers to it. It's like bells and whistles. It's it's, it's like King your kid comes up to you and says that his bike got stolen and you go out and buy him an ice cream. Well, you're not getting the bike back, man. That's not the point. It only is going to clear the wound for so long. You're still terrible at marketing your sport. You're still losing revenue and viewership and whatever else because the game is still going to be going on four hours long. All the original problems that have led us to here are still going to be here, and yet we're going to have this exciting lottery where a couple teams pick who they're going to play in a wild card matchup, and then you're going to be subjected to three-game wild cards with 79-win teams. Woo. It just it just doesn't seem to make butt. sense. This guy's burned my butt since he took the job. So yeah, it's it's like I said, it's kicking the dust over home plate and hoping nobody knows it's there. And just can't stand can't we all do. Way, can't stand the way he's handled most of this stuff. Suspensions have been adequate. Fine was as far as he could go, but you know I think they were wearing buzzers. Absolutely. AJ Hinch, when asked, hey, man, what do you make about the team wearing vibrating devices and buzzers? Uh, I don't know. The MLB investigated it. What are you doing? Scream no, even if it's a lie. Well, now now he's more confident in 2020. My fault. In 2017, he might have said no. But now he's just going to dodge the question, which he pretty much did for the entire interview. Yeah, he took a couple steps forward and a few more steps backwards uh, with that and, and now we're going to have to put up with the owners going to meet with the Astros players, and they're going to discuss what the hell they're going to answer back in response to the myriad of questions they're going to get at pitchers and catchers. See if they all have the same PR response. Or <laughs> What's see, the story? Well, yeah. What's the story? Uh, the MLB is investigating, and we're unable to comment on this time. Or the players that are now no longer on the Astros on other teams who had the balls to get in front of reporters and say, listen, we're sorry, we fucked up, this is what we did wrong. Well, Marlon Gonzalez just did. Right. That's what they should do. Yeah, we did it. What a stupid decision it was. I regret regret my actions. Carlos Beltran started it. Did you like that that from Marlon (laughs) Gonzalez? I regret my actions. Hey, Marlon, why don't you sell your World Series ring then if you forget if your actions were so bad? Please. Beltran Beltran made him do it. Please sell your ring if you feel bad and it was your fault and you have regret. Sell your ring then, bro. Take the banner down at the stadium. Uh. Anyway, real quick, I know you didn't watch any of these games, but you know of them. In the XFL. No, you're not going to bring this up, are you? Oh, God. The Vipers. I did, wa- I, the did wa- I did watch. I watched one of those kickoffs. That, I think, uh- is the most intriguing rule change that the NFL might actually adopt. I kind of dig seeing the guys start close together so they don't get a real running start. It's like a glitch in a video game, right? It doesn't It doesn't look right right away. What's happening? What are all those guys <laughs> doing so close together? What are all those guys doing so close together? They're running on top of each other. And it's like a it's like a red rover red rover wall for the returner to have to get through to make a return and it hasn't happened yet. Nobody's gotten through it. Fascinating. It, it is. But I can't watch it just for that. Well, the trouble is this first week, I, I will say the difference, the main difference, an easy difference to spot from the XFL kicking off this past weekend from when the AAF did is we actually knew the XFL games were on television. ABC, ESPN, and Fox, along with the anchors and broadcasters and everybody involved, made sure you know the games were happening. The AAF kicked off and nobody knew it was happening. And then the next week, when it was week two, you really didn't know it was happening. You couldn't find the scores anywhere. It was it was like this Atlantis of professional football that you just you, you heard of it, but nobody was keeping track of it. So they're doing a good job at least telling you about the games. We'll see what happens for week two. And they were all over. The problem it is, like the, you know, there, there's some you know, there's some names I recognize. Yeah, but that is the problem is the the talent. I mean, you still need to have a good quarterback to win. There wasn't a ton of across the board big offensive plays. 
there wasn't a ton of scoring to lead us to see what was going to happen on the two-point conversion, three-point conversions. There wasn't any chances at overtime. So they haven't hit that threshold that they're looking for where the new rules will bring the excitement if the offense gets them to those rules. Like The two best teams in the league pegged by Vegas to win scored, I think, a combined 12 or 15 points. No touchdowns for both both teams. Not great. <laughs> Not great. But we'll see. It's a work in progress. That's all I could say about it. It's a work in progress. Maybe they'll do well enough to get you intrigued. That's all. I'm all worked up over baseball. I'm done. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Dude, you know, don't, don't give me this, you know, you're worked up because you think you got cheated out of a championship. Would you please? <laughs> I didn't right, say don't, that. Don't, don't, I didn't don't, say well, that. That's the way you're acting. I raised my okay? voice, that's and it was a lot. All right, because. I didn't say that. No. You didn't hit. No. You didn't hit. No, that's but, not but, what has but, me worked up. But, it's, you know, it's everything. The postseason, the cheating, everything into one small bubble, and I let it burst on our show. That's I all. I feel your pain. I, I'm just vastly disappointed on all fronts of the conduct of the punishment was, I, I think, Meredith, that was, you know, was, was okay. It could have been more severe. I, I wanted to see more money, but the Constitution only allowed the five million. So, and we'll see what happens with the Red. I would like to get the Red Sox punishment determined before the season started. You know, I mean, let, let's go here. Can we move it along? So, I am just. Uh, I, it makes the game look like it's grasping. I don't like it when a game looks like it's grasping, and it's baseball right. honored respected it looks like he's reaching it looks gimmicky it looks cheap and you know that's the old story point of view i'm not against more teams you know steadfastly the approach i can't stand and it's too many you know there's 14 teams no 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 no, no. 12 out of 32 i can live with yeah, but but fourteen is just way too much. Way too many. So you should be angry. You're young. You are the new report. And folks, until next time, for the new report, my partner, the great one, John Tiny One. I am Alvinado, aka Alpha White Plants, for the new report and the old report. Until next time, have a great week, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.